Well, thankful for that goodness and mercy, huh? Charlie, you didn't do too bad a cappella. No. <laughs> you got to practice last week, though, didn't you? <laughs> we need, yeah. Get you one little, get you a pitch pipe or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you, you did that last week, didn't you? All, all like, yeah. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I actually it did pretty well. I was. Uh, when you miss services, it just ruins everything. <laughs> uh, well, we we missed everybody here. It was a joy. I, I challenged <laughs> Brother Travis last week. And Evan, or I mean, Levi, you did a pretty great job last week. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if anybody noticed but, or had a chance to look at the stream, but I hit uh, Travis up with a, uh, a question because we got to the morning service after Sunday school and Charlie would be singing along and all of a sudden jump back into the Sunday school songs. <laughs> then it jumped back into, tra- <laughs> and Travis, what's going on here? He goes, well, it's not us. It's not us. I says, well, <laughs> you know, so it ended up logging out and logging back in. Everything was just fine, but it was pretty good. Charlie would be singing along, and all of a sudden, then Pastor would show up, and he'd start teaching Sunday school. Then he'd jump back. <laughs> so I was like, oh, really? He's really trying to... <laughs> yeah, we were thought we were getting, you know, hallucinations here or something, but, uh, you know, but, but the Lord blessed. He's, you know... <laughs> we're on the mend, and uh, I, I understand, you know, talking with people, this little bug going around, it's just... It's, you know, but don't feel bad other than you're uncomfortable. But anyway, let's look back into our, our lesson back at First uh, uh, Peter chapter 3. We're going to hopefully finish through here. I'm not sure where we'll end up. We've got two verses left in this chapter. And uh, uh, this one that we're looking at, verses 21 and 22, uh, they could be, well, I won't say controversial, but they bring up some interesting things. But I'd like to read the whole segment that we're working with, and, and then we'll get into the lesson. So, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, <clears throat> once one, once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure, whereinto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is now on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Let's pray. Father, again, we are so thankful for your word. We're thankful that we can look at this, the perfect preserved word of God, that we know that these are your words, not man's words. And Lord, we know that you preserved them for us so that we can understand the very words that you spoke to the men uh, of, of old. And Father, we've seen as we've gone through uh, just in in 1 Peter where you gave 
these words to the men, and they penned them down. And then, Father, we have the translators that came along years later and correlated all the things into one binder. And now we have this library of books that we call the Holy Bible. And it's our scripture. It's our final authority in faith and practice. Father, we can go to it for truth. We know that it's the absolute truth that we can rely on. Nothing in this world apart from your word is truth. And we know that, Father, you've provided for us your salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we're studying here, he died the just for the unjust. We didn't deserve one bit of it. And just as we see with Noah and the ark being prepared, that he knew that he didn't deserve it either, but he found grace in your eyes. And, Father, he preached to the lost that was around him. And there may have been some that listened, but didn't follow in. And, Father, we now see that the ark brought these eight through the flood. And we can look into it as an example of what we have today, the salvation through Jesus Christ and through no other, not of works, not of anything extra. And we'll see that as we look into the word today. And, Father, we thank you now again for the truths that are there, the absolute truths that we can rely upon. And, Father, we ask this all in your son's precious name. Well, it's interesting as, as we look in there, I think I've got that up, the, the verse that we're going to be looking at, our salvation through the Savior. <clears throat> and uh, the, the verse 21, I think the books, your, your lesson might have made this statement as well. It says, 1 Peter 3.21 has been the source of misunderstanding about the relationship of baptism and salvation. And I'm hoping today we kind of talk a little bit about it. I'm sure... Um, well, we've talked and pastors taught in the past about baptism and its relationship. And I'm sure we could probably spend weeks discussing everything around, you know, like baptism and immersion and what it means and what the different forms meant. I think you even had an answer to the pastor one time about that some time ago. Anyway, but in First in Peter uh, 3.21... Uh, we read it, but let's read it again, because the, the question that follows on with it is, is the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what might someone conclude about baptism from reading this verse without studying it? <laughs> Anybody thought Lisa? Exactly. That's yeah. That's what I I think. Pastor, you got a, a thought with that one? <laughs> yeah, they might think it's bath water baptism, but it's only the third word here. It's only it's only been preached. Yes. And that's the whole. Exactly. And and we're gonna we're gonna look at this. You know, by you know the 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 like figure and there's Matthew Henry had a really nice breakdown of it. we're going to get to it but but you know it, it it teaches that you need to be baptized for salvation I mean my parents out of ignorance when I was just a, a few days old and the Methodist church took me in and the priest or preacher threw water in my face you know I, you know I don't know if, it, if anybody's watched of recent of, of, of well, sprinkling but you know, babies kind of, you know, make all sorts of funny faces when you throw water in their face. 
All it did was make the baby make fa- fun- funny faces and kicked at the pastor or preacher. and It, it didn't do anything. You know, it was, uh, you know, some people can make some very euphemistic statements about, about the, the, those types of, of things that people go through. You know, the, the Mormons teach uh, baptism for the dead, and they teach all sorts of different forms of baptism. And I think if, uh, well, if you if did a study through the Bible, you'd find out that that, that meant uh, that, that the Jews had a variety of ways of washings that, that included immersion. And kind of brings the understanding and discussion of it. But like the pastor said, the like figure. Now, and and those, are, those are important words. And it says, you know, Noah and his family were not saved by the water. That's the one thing that people need to understand. You know, it's like us. What are we saved by? And what are we saved from? And that's, that's where, in, in verse 20, when you look at that, you know, the, the very, the, the last words, you know, uh, while the ark was a preparing, you know, Noah was waited in the days, wherein few, that is eight, were saved by water. Well, did the water save them? No, it wasn't. The water, water was actually the death, the death of mankind. What saved them? Going, yeah, God put them in the ark. He allowed them to step in there and then, did Noah and, and, and his boys, you know, hand over hand the door? No, God closed the door and sealed it. We used to laugh on submarines that uh, <clears throat> when we go to sea, we close that outer hatch and then come down and close the inner hatch. There were rumors that we never actually went to sea. We tied up next to the pier and they actually welded our hull, the, 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 the door shut so that we couldn't get out. Well... You know, they, we have this thing that goes up and kind of looks around, the periscope. Yeah, we can, we can see. I'm, one of these days I might bring in a slide presentation of my time at sea of a few pictures. It's very interesting. But we've been there. No, we don't weld the hatches shut. That would be the dumbest thing in the world to do. But then again, you know, hey, to open one of those hatches against uh, several hundred pounds of pressure, it's not going to happen. You know, you got to do special special procedures to, to get through that. But they were they were actually saved through the water. The ark brought them through that. Well, Christ in our salvation brings us through death. Death no longer has any effect on us, and and it's not you know it's that spiritual death that, that it does there. And and as we go through it, it, it it says the ark which was God's provision for them which saved them. And in a greater sense, is their faith in God and his provision. By faith, they went into the ark knowing that God was going to take care of them. And he told them, he's just following God's instruction. And, you know, yeah, if, if he stayed outside, what would have happened? The ark would have gone away with all the animals and Noah and his family would have been wiped off the face of the earth. And what would happen to us? God would have had to gone through some other special creation and set up another set of families. But, but he didn't do that. He saved those eight to repopulate the earth. The water was a means of death, like we, we said. That was the death. And the thing that was, uh, they were saved from what was going to be their death. That's what it was. And we're saved from, you know, as, as it says here, you know, that the, the, the water uh, putting away the filth of the flesh, well, 
when Christ was showing the example as a servant, when he washed the disciples' feet, what was he doing? He wasn't baptizing them. He was walking them through the process of the filth of the world has to come off from you. And how does that happen? Well, on our daily walk, what do we do? We go to Scripture. We go to our time in prayer, and that washes the filth of the world off from us. And as we go through, so it's, it states specifically that baptism does not save us. You know, I mean, if, you know, you can mince the words around in here, and people, you know, probably could you know, make it say what it wants to say, but, it, you know, it says it now save us, not the putting of the way the flesh, the filth of the flesh, filth of the flesh being our, the sins of the world. And it says that uh, having a good conscience can only come by trusting Christ as our Savior. He, Noah and his family were trusting that God would do what he would, said he would do. He would bring them through that. I'm sure God, in the process, while Noah was preaching, the Spirit was probably pointing out to him and goes, that's your salvation. That's going to take care of you. You're going to, you're going to be just fine if you follow my instructions and go into that ark. You know, I can, I can only imagine when they step inside, all of a sudden the, because it probably was not a little door. You know, you know, I can imagine if that was a swinging door back behind us going shut. It makes a loud thump. And we close the hatches on a submarine. They come down. You can't pull those things gently down. They're spring-assisted, but when they go shut, thunk, they make a, they make a thunk sound, and you know that. And it's, it's there. It's sealed. And you know that there's a certain amount of safety. Verse 21 taught that baptism, you know, if, if it, and that's the word, if it taught, it would contradict verses like Acts 16, 31. When the, when the jailer said, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Because he asked in verse 30, what must I do to be saved? And Noah, he just had trust in the Lord. You know, he probably didn't ask the Lord, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? No, Noah just followed the instructions of what God said. God told him, go build an ark. I'm going to destroy the earth. He didn't say, oh, uh, well, why do I need to build this ark? No, the Lord gave him all that insurance. It's like when we came to the Lord and asked for, to get saved. We didn't you know, say, well, why do I have to do this? That would be obvious. When we ask him, he shows us why. He, he, basically, we, we understand that if we keep going the way we're going, we're going to die. We're going to be separate from God. God made it abundantly clear to Noah, and that's why he was preaching it. I mean, it's like, you know, pastor getting up here and preaching and giving a, an invitation. And, and I know he doesn't believe this. You know, it's like, you know, you guys need to do this. I don't need to worry about this thing. You know, you, you guys need to do this. I don't. That would, be, that would be the dumbest thing in the world to do. Get up there. and But I've known men that have had that attitude and come to find out later on in their life, they said, you know, I really didn't believe all that stuff I was teaching. That is, that would be, to me, would be the saddest words to ever hear coming out of a preacher's mouth. Or somebody that you knew was, was very vibrant about sharing the gospel with the lost. You know, it would, it would be really stupid of Noah to just, you know, be doing all this work and then just turn around and go, yeah, you guys go in, I'm going to stay here. That'd be <laughs> Thankfully, once we're saved... We get to escape that. That's the beauty of it. Once Noah and his family got in the ark, short of this window that he had way at the very top, 
Nobody was getting out of the ark until God said, it's time to get out. And he gave them those provisions. But that's a completely different study. You know, it, it would also contradict Ephesians 8 and 9. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. The ark was a gift of God. Now, true, Noah had to work, and I'm sure it was not easy work. Had to devise ways of putting all this stuff together, something that was, you know, longer than a football field. You know, you, 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 well, go over here and look at the new research stadium. That would probably be a nice example. You know, the, the, if you looked at how that thing's constructed up and how tall it is, that might be about how tall the, the, uh, the ark was. There's a lot of space in there. You know, they had room for, I think they had, can put 40,000 people in there now, something like that. I think there were that many there this weekend. I don't know. Ellie, did you go to the game? How about you, James? Did you go sneak in the game? No? There's a lot of people there, wasn't there? <laughs> it was probably loud. But can you imagine if more people had gone into the ark? There'd be a whole lot more rejoicing in there. But those eight people that were there, there was more than enough room for them. In verse 20, you know, or in 21, that like figure lays out here. It says it corresponds to you know a figure of baptism of what baptism is. By going into the ark, it was like Christ going into the grave. When Christ went into the grave, they sealed the door. And who opened that door? It wasn't the guards. God rolled that stone back when. Noah and the family got off the ark. It wasn't Noah and the family that opened that door. It was God that opened that door and allowed them to come out. And only when the right time was there. He went up to the window and sent his messengers out to find what it was. And God gave him the point of, okay, now you can come out. Well, the same thing when Christ raised from the dead. The very same thing. When he came out of the grave, he was in that resurrected body. Noah yeah, they were in the same bodies, but they came into a completely different world. Well, no, uh, and, and, and we're told to repopulate it. You know, and, and, and a like figure that gives us an example. This is uh, a note that I found here. It says, thus, both the flood with the ark of safety and baptism with the emergence from the water of burial are like figures. That was kind of what it comes down to. Pastor explains that when he, when we go, he goes through a, a, a baptism. It's the symbols. It's a symbol, a symbol of it. Um, and it gives us a good conscience toward God. People that follow in believers' baptism are making a testimony. Well, Noah made the testimony. Well, all it was was to his family because the lost people, that's the last thing they saw. No one going in there. And the rain's coming down and realizing, yeah, what Noah told us, we should have believed, but now it's too late. It's like a lot of people when the rapture occurs. A lot of people are going to say, I should have listened to him. I should have listened to him. God gave, is given a process that they could get saved through that time frame. And the salvation's the exact same way. Some people want to say, well, the Old Testament people, they had to do some works and accept Christ as their Savior and, and, and follow in through that. And then, of course, this church age period, we had this, you know, all you got to do is accept Christ as your Savior by faith and you're saved and sealed. And Then in, in the 
tribulation time, you have to go through another different type. No, no salvation's only one way. True, things happen, like when people got saved in the Old Testament, they didn't immediately get to go to heaven. We talked about that before, where, where Christ led them captive. He took those people in paradise and brought them up into heaven. When we die, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Well, the same thing's going to happen in, in the tribulation period. When a person gets saved, they're probably going to be martyred. It doesn't mean that they got saved any differently. And then I think in, in the millennium time, is there going to be salvation there? I would think so, because we're going to have some rebels. And, but they're going to see their salvation. They're going to see who the one that they need to trust in. True, we don't get to see him, except for through Scripture. We'll one day face him face to face. Now, did Noah see God when he came through there? I'm sure God came down in probably various forms. I know his spirit was in there. But he knew that he was supposed to follow through on that. And, and it's a good conscience. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In other words, it's been secured by Christ forever. And it, it's, you know, when you think about that, you, you know, and here's another aspect of, of thinking. Matthew Henry had some interesting notes about this that, you know, dealing with baptism and, and uh, child sprinkling and, and things like that. He says, infants can't make such an answer as, as to having a good conscience. They don't know anything about that. That's why um, when you, you lead a child uh, through the plan of salvation, some children haven't got a clue. Some of them just goes, yeah, oh, that's, that. thank you for, for you know, and, and following the instructions and never understood what was going on. But there'll be a time when they understand that what they, that their sins will send them to hell. Might be, you know, could be like me, an adult, could be a child.
know, I'm thinking, does the Lord, how's the Lord going to handle this? That's something that, you know, one, one will find out in, in glory. I know there's, you know, you, you, you think of, uh, of, of little children that were, you know, with Down syndrome, for instance, or uh, maybe somebody's had a traumatic brain injury at a young age and just doesn't understand how life is. You know, they need help through there. How does God handle those? Well, that's between them and God. It, it's really interesting to think about. But Noah knew what he was doing. Noah knew what, what was going on. He knew that if he didn't build this ark, he was going to be separated from God. That's, that's what he was, w w w was trying to explain. So a, a lot of churches that are trying to uh, build their roles up, you know, the, and, it, and it's sad they're having to build their roles up by, you know, birth and bringing them in there, being raised in a Christian family and, and being taught. Well, the sad part is, is they're not taught that salvation is the only way to, to, to heaven. And, and it becomes a very important uh, uh, part of, of, of this. So when we think about our salvation comes through the Savior, uh, you, you can look at uh, Acts 412, it says there's salvation through no other but Christ. So the next part is the ascension of the Savior. And this, I know we'll only get partway through it because it, it's kind of interesting when you look at verse 21, it says, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God and the angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And this was, to me, a real interesting study. And if you, you kind of, Look, want to look up uh, and look at uh, is on the right hand of God there's, there's some pretty interesting references to go through there uh, in fact I found an, uh, an interesting devotional I'd like to end not today with it but because I think I'll finish it next week but it says after his resurrection Christ ascended into heaven Acts 1 9 says and when he had spoken these things while they beheld he was taken up in a cloud received, received him out of their sight they saw him go up, but then we look at uh, others uh, when, you, when you follow on the, the following verses. Verse 10 says, And when they looked steadfastly toward heaven, and he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall also come in like manner as you've seen him uh, go into heaven. And Mark uh, sixteen nineteen says, and so after, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up to heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and it's it's a fitting position, being seated on the right hand of of a king means you are essentially equal to them. One person said, you have Christ sitting on the right hand of God, and on the other side is Abraham. I don't know. That's, I think that's a Jewish tradition, what some people say. But it's kind of interesting to think about. You know? But that right-hand position is a special position, meaning that he is the same as God. He's given all the responsibilities. And as we go through here, uh, he's, he's now in throat of God's right hand, which is all heavenly beings' authority under his dominion. He's waiting until God will establish his rule over all the earth. Is there 
and, and that position is, is also the position of somebody to give advice. In other words, for us, he's our intercessor. And that's where that's, that position does. At God's right hand, he's listening carefully to what that person has to say to him. And so when we think about this, uh, uh, in fact, turn to Hebrews uh, uh, 12.2. Uh, might have just enough time to look through that. Verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that is set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set at the right hand of God, at the, uh, at, uh, set at the right hand of the throne of God. And the question that asks us is, what does this verse say about how Jesus feels now about the suffering he endured as the perfect son of God? How do you think he feels at that point? I think he's probably saying, it was worth it. Father, yeah, there's a joy, a joy that's there. And, and that, you know, he knows that before creation even came about that he was going to have to suffer for mankind. God knew that if anybody was going to be taken care of, I'm going to set all these examples out here for them to follow and that'll keep them focused on that, but soon my son's going to have to be that perfect sacrifice. And of course, to him, of course, God's in the now, so you know there's no past, present, or future with God. He's always there. It's one of those amazing things. I, I get a kick out of, uh, like uh, Lark and, uh, uh, that did all the little drawings and stuff, uh, showing you know eternity past and eternity future. Well, there's no such thing as far as God's concerned. He sees us. He, you know, he he's he's. At the beginning, he's at the end. There's no beginning or end with him. And it's, it's something that we can't quite fully comprehend. And, but he knew that, that at some point, as Christ was growing up, and that's the only time that he experienced time. I can just imagine what God was thinking as, as he steps down in it. Of course, God understands all those things. Beyond me, going from some place where I'm here, I can, I can see the future. I can, I, I can see everything that's going on around me. It's kind of like, uh, you know, my wife's got a terrarium at home and we can gaze upon the, the terrarium, you know, and watch things happen within there. Well, God's seeing the earth that same way. And yet, there's no time for him. I mean, you know, as far as he's concerned, he's created time, but it doesn't affect him. But Christ had to come down when he came down. He experienced that. And I'm sure he's like, Father, are you sure about this? These guys down here, they, they, they have this sun comes up, sun goes down, they go to sleep, they do this. You don't sleep. But yet, Christ, we know Christ got tired. Christ got hungry. I don't think God's ever been up there going, yo, I need something to eat. He's yeah. a spirit, I don't think he needs it. But yet, pastor taught that that resurrected body of Christ got hungry. They could feel it. And, and so he had to experience things that God knew about, and yet, you know, did, has God experienced that? Well, through his son, he experienced it. And it's, and it's amazing when you think about how that 
he knew that there was a complete joy after his son died. He knew that he was going to have to have grief for turning his back on his son. And, and, it, and it's kind of, I guess for us, we, we look upon it saying, you know, I'm thankful that I don't have to go through that. I'm thankful that I don't have to experience the pain and suffering that he did. doesn't mean that we're not going to have troubles. We're not going to have trials here on this earth. He went to heaven to receive his own and, uh, and acquired a crown and a glory. John 17, 5 says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with glory, which I have had with thee before the world was. Can you imagine that time, that the joy, and then he had to have that gap in there somewhere that he said, I can't, I can't even look on you for that period of time. But then afterward, that joy. Um, you think of the prodigal son that left, you know, not that Christ was ever a prodigal, but the father didn't get to see his son for that time period. He looked for him on a regular basis. God knew what was going on, but he couldn't look on him at that period of time. And, and knowing that that agony was there that he had to, to point out, why, why have you forsaken me? And, and knowing that, that that's going to happen. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, um, between God and man and the man, and the man uh, Christ Jesus. We have just one person He's sitting on the right hand. And as we go through there, I've got a, a kind of a study on the right hand. And it's kind of interesting when you think about that. It starts in uh, 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 Psalm 16. And, and you look at that, and, and it identifies that right hand and the importance of, of the right hand of God and why it's, uh, why it's imp important for us to read and understand that that's that exalted position of being put there and not being diminished because he took, took on him our sins. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. It's, it's taken care of. Yeah, we have to worry about going through this world and being exposed to those sins and being tempted by those sins and oftentimes falling prey to those sins. But thankfully, he's went to the cross only once and he says, come and I'll forgive you if, if you repent. And that's what he's, he's done for us in that beautiful thing. We've, we can never lose that communication or that uh, gathering that, that, that he's done. We separate ourselves from God when we sin, but he brings us back together and he restores us just as if we had never sinned. That's the beauty of salvation through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Father, we thank you that you take care of us you know exactly what each one of us needs. And Father, I'm thankful that when we do sin, we come to you. We ask for forgiveness. We ask that the Holy Spirit would give us the strength to avoid that sin again. And Father, we, we do thank you that you restore us completely. Because you didn't leave, it was us that stepped away. You bring us back and you hold us tight. You let us focus on things that, that are correct and right in our lives. Father, now I do pray you take us in the morning service. Keep our hearts attuned for what you'd have us to learn. And we ask this all in Jesus' precious name.